Hi guys, this is Sasha, and I'm very excited to have in the studio Alexis Garrod. She is the head coach and partner at CrossFit Potrero Hill, and she is an experienced personal trainer. We've known each other for six years. We met when I first joined CrossFit Potrero Hill, and since then, Alexis and I have seen each other several times every week at the gym working out, and I'm very excited to have her here in the studio to talk about fitness. As it specifically relates to the wedding world, a lot of people use the wedding as an opportunity to get into the best shape of their lives. They work hard, um, they diet, they exercise, they uh, do all kinds of things to try to fit into their dream dress or to look their absolute best on the wedding day. So among many other things, Alexis and I are going to talk about that, um, how to structure an exercise program, how to diet properly, how to pursue this goal so that you get results. And uh, without further ado, here's Alexis. My name is Alexis Garrett. I have been a personal trainer for seven years. I started with getting my degree in kinesiology at SF State. And now I am a level two CrossFit trainer. And I've also been coaching for six years and I've been owning a CrossFit gym for four years. I'm also certified through ACSM and United States Weightlifting. And you competed in the CrossFit Open for the last several years, right? Yes, I've competed in the CrossFit Open since 2011, since they started. So every year for that, this last one, I placed 113 in NorCal, which is about out of 5,000 people. So I'm pretty happy with that. That was awesome. Got two good workouts. I placed 64th and 60th in one of the workouts, which was great. Out of everybody in Northern California. Yeah. Which is like 5,000. That's pretty impressive. Oh, thank you. We're very proud to have you <laughs> representing CrossFit Patro Hill. Yes, yes. Just gave it my all. And it's so fun doing the Open because at your own gym, you have your whole support system like standing there watching you, cheering you on. I thrive off that. That's my favorite because during this Open, I, I was traveling in Berlin and I had to do one of the workouts in Berlin, which was great. And the gym was great and they were great. But that's not the same as being with your team, right? And finding a place where you can have a team and have a support system like that. CrossFit is a really good, great place to find it because that's how we operate as a team yeah. in a positive way. Did you have a little bit of like when you came into that gym in Berlin, a little bit of like, oh, I'm going to show you Germans how we do things in San Francisco? <laughs> I like I like to think that I'm like kind of unsuspect looking like pretty good at CrossFit. I kind of like have a normal like compared to other CrossFitters, I'm not as jacked as others. So I'm like I bet you underestimating me a little bit. So I always like to think that and then I just come out and kind of like, "Wow, you were great." And everyone's always so nice too at all the other CrossFit gyms, so yeah, but you do kind of think that like just wait, they're going to totally not expect this. Uh -huh. <laughs> do you usually key off of somebody else when you're doing a competitive workout like that and, and compete with someone that's next to you? Um, 
yes, I I usually I'm really good at starting out with a pace. So I'm not going to try to go off their pace because that's how you mess yourself up. Go off your own pace. But when you get to that point that you're tiring out and you check like, are they resting? Okay, they're not resting. Like I'm not going to rest and I better speed up because I'm counting on them tiring out. And if I get better and speed up, then I know I'm going to win. Right. So definitely like that. But never watch them in the beginning, only towards the end. When you feel like you need help mentally, then you look at your competition. That's what I do. Yeah. And speaking of competition and and CrossFit and um to before we segue into uh you know couples that embark on a fitness journey together for their wedding. So when uh I started CrossFit, I started CrossFit because I wanted to get in shape for my wedding. I mean, I've always worked out and I was playing basketball at the time pretty consistently and I'd always been at the gym, but I really wanted to get in like amazing shape for my wedding. And so Mila and I decided that, okay, we're going to give this CrossFit thing a try because what happened a year before, I think it was about maybe a little bit less than that. I photographed a wedding of a couple and they said, okay, we have this a little bit like unorthodox request. Uh, we want to do a photo where the groom is going to do an overhead squat with a bride. <laughs> and I'd never heard of anything like that before. I was like, are you guys crazy? Like, what is this? <laughs> and so we started talking a little bit and uh, it turned out that uh, the groom was a CrossFit trainer mm. and that the bride had also been doing CrossFit. Mm. And so I heard about it. And then... Uh, a few months later, I went to a wedding photography convention in Las Vegas and I went to the hotel gym and there was this woman there who was doing some crazy thing where she was doing like push-ups and then picking up a dumbbell and then do another push-up, picking up another dumbbell. Mm -hmm. And like, I was like, what? And she kept going, you know, and she like worked herself into this crazy lather and she was like sweaty and panting and out of breath. And I asked, I had to ask her and she looked pretty, pretty fit. I said, what is it that you're doing? Is that like some sort of a new program or whatever? She said, oh, it's this thing called CrossFit. So that was twice that I came across this concept of CrossFit. And really so finally, yeah, finally I was like, all right, we have to try it. So Mila and I went and we, we explored this, uh, this thing about CrossFit. And so I had been doing then when I started at a world gym and you were the, the trainer there, mm -hmm. uh, you were the one that did my initial um, elements elements yeah, classes. Yeah, I remember. Uh, when I started there, that was November, and then our wedding was in March. Mm. So we had roughly, what, four months or something like that before the wedding? Yeah, um, four to five. Including the holidays, <laughs> which right. is kind of a brutal... It's so we had hard, yeah. we had a pretty short runway in order to... Yeah, that is short. We didn't have any specific goals. Uh, but we just wanted to like get in really great shape. Right. Um, and so I started doing it at night. Of course, I tried to get Mila into it. And Mila had signed up for a half marathon. Hmm. And I brought, I finally convinced her to come in and do a workout. And it was Karen, <laughs> which is, for those people that don't know, it's 150 wall balls for time. It's hard. And I had her, I had her do it with the lightest possible wall ball, which was a 10 pound wall ball. Right. Which and is so hard. it was two days before she was supposed to run the half marathon. Oh, no. She did 150 wall balls before she ran a half marathon. Oh, and she no. hated me. 
because she's like, I can't believe you brought me in and you had me do this thing and you knew I was going to be so sore and it was terrible. And the, that was our first. Uh, so oh my gosh. on the wedding day, um, in, in Jewish weddings, there's a tradition where the bride and the groom hold on to opposite sides of a piece of challah, which is like a traditional Jewish bread, mm -hmm. uh, kind of a woven looking bread. And so you each hold on to a side of this challah and you kind of do a tug of war. And the person that pulls the largest piece of the challah uh, and rips off the larger piece is going to be the head of the household. That's kind of the tradition. Right? <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. So I had been to a lot of Jewish weddings, as, both as a photographer and, and before as a guest. And so Mila and I decided, okay, we don't want to do the traditional expected thing of pulling apart this challah because it's been done so many times. Mm -hmm. So we need to come up with something different. So because we had been doing CrossFit and we felt this newfound uh, confidence, we decided that we were going to instead have a contest where we are both going to hold a handstand against the wall. And the person that holds the handstand the longest and doesn't drop is going to be the person who's the head of the household. So we had that type of competition. I instead love of that instead of pulling apart a bunch of carbs. I love that so much. That's so great. And who won? Uh, Mila won. She did? She won. Uh, although reviewing the videos, so by that point we had both had a lot of tequila and <laughs> reviewing the wedding videos, I don't actually, it's hard to even tell exactly what happened there because it looks like there were multiple, but the thing that was in my mind was that Mila won. That's what all I remember. Then I started looking back at the wedding footage and it looks like, we tried it multiple times. Either we like rehearsed it or I, I don't know what happened exactly, but uh, <laughs> it was fun and Mila won and let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's good. I know that's the cool about CrossFit and having couples do it together is really great because they come in and, you know, you're obviously not doing the same weights, man and woman, um, but every workout has a score. And so if you're seeing your partner go and you go, it's about like how much work can you do in a certain amount of time maybe. So you're, you're pushing yourself, but you see them, they're pushing themselves. So you want to push harder and like, they don't rest. So you're not resting or like, oh, maybe they take a break and you're like, oh, now's my chance. I'm going to really beat them. And you know, it's friendly competition and then it's over. You're like, oh, what's, what was your score? What was my score? And then, you know, you throw fives and then you carry on and then you can kind of talk about like, I'm sure you get in the car, you're like, man, that wad was hard. This part was like what got me, but I felt like I was doing really good here. And like, oh, I hit a personal record on my pull up or whatever. So there's this whole new dialogue that you have that you can relate to on a fitness way. And you're like, okay, let's see what the workout is tomorrow. Like, I'm going to try to get you on this or, you know, and it kind of like, you don't think about going to like get your workout in because you ate a piece of pie the other day. You're like, you want to go in because you want to work on your movements and you want to get better at this and you want to see what your friends get on it and you want to, like maybe they did it in 10 minutes. You're like, oh, maybe I can do it faster. This whole like, oh, I'm playing a sport. If you've ever played sports in, in the past too, you're going to just totally get it. And if you haven't, then that's okay. And you'll probably learn what competitiveness is. Competitiveness is. Because we all have it as humans. It's natural. Yeah. And you can do it together with your partner. You can do the same workout. And then the person that gets the better score <laughs> has control of the Netflix remote that evening. Oh, is that what you guys do? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> but it's an idea. Or whoever loses has to cook dinner. Were you an athlete from a very early age? Oh, yeah. I grew up on a horse ranch. So, and did 
this sport called equestrian vaulting, which is gymnastics on horses like the circus. And you can start as young as five years old. Once you get on a horse, you put your arms out, you're officially vaulting. But it was really great. Uh, we do – you can have three people on the horse at one time. You can choreograph routines to music. So I was really missing this like, team aspect when I stopped when I was 18 to go to college. And workouts were really boring and they were not as fulfilling as like when up being on a team, right? So when I f- discovered CrossFit in 2011 – or 2010 actually – I felt like I was on a team again. I felt like I had a coach. I liked how there was gymnastics, so I kind of had a little gymnastics background. And it made exercise more fun, and it made me want to come back and keep doing it to see my friends and to get better at the movements versus just I have to exercise so I can, like, look fine in a swimsuit, which is really not motivating for me. I want to be able to exercise because I enjoy doing it and doing this to just make myself happier versus how I look. That was important to me. But looking good in a swimsuit is a nice It's a perk. You know, it comes benefit. with it. It comes with it. Well, yeah. <laughs> side effect. Exactly. Exactly. But when you're so concerned about how you look, it's just I, it's so obsessive. It's very a very high pressure. But if you are exercising because you enjoy the exercise, yeah, the body's going to come with it. That's a beautiful thing. There's, there's certain types of exercise that they, they kind of come in waves, right? Or like in fads. Right, there was a big uh, weightlifting fad that happened when uh, you know Schwarzenegger and uh, Stallone did their films, yes, uh, in like the late whatever mid mm-hmm. mid to late seventies bodybuilding. Yeah. Uh, then there was a big running craze in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Then, I guess I don't know what happened in the nineties. There's like aerobics, jazzercise, and then yeah, yoga, which right. is still big. It's interesting to see which ones stick around. And yeah, CrossFit could be a really big fad, but the difference with it is that it's using movements from sports that have been around forever, gymnastics, powerlifting, weightlifting, and it's combining it in a way that uh, just makes it its unique in its own way. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of fads. And what's so great about now getting into exercise that there's so many options, you're not limited to one thing, and they all really do work great in their own way. It's about finding something that you enjoy and keeps you coming back you you come out of it you enjoy the class you come out of it feeling good you're able to maintain it you're not getting injured throughout so we're in a really lucky time right now that exercise is a pretty normal thing to do at least in san francisco right right and we've learned a lot in terms of how to keep yourself active and how to avoid injuries absolutely that was actually another thing that really drove me to crossfit is that it started out was like, hey, this is what we're doing now, but we're super open to making it better. This is not the end all. It's totally evolved and changed. Like, hey, we used to teach it like this, but we actually found out that it's better to do it this way. And it has this whole open book of learning, which is I'm on board with that because we should all be developing and getting smarter with with years, right? So it's not like, oh, I don't know what other sports are like. Like bodybuilding was seemed very they I guess it changed with diet. They learned a lot about their dieting with bodybuilding because bodybuilding is huge on diet. I always people always try to get me to do bodybuilding before I found CrossFit because at World Gym it's very bodybuilding types, which is great and it works beautifully. But that is purely pressure on how good you look. 
aesthetics. Like you have to be symmetrical. You have to look a certain way. And then the dieting is super extreme when you want to compete that I was just never – that looks like something I could never maintain. Didn't look fun. Yeah. Especially when you're dieting like that, you are going crazy. Right. It's so extreme. And there's a lot of uh, like ups and downs. So that's the thing that, that's kind of crazy to me about the bodybuilding world is that you have to – you know, you have seasons, like you spend a season eating a lot and bulking up, and then you spend a season, whatever it is, three, four months, uh, eating super clean and cutting down, and you're mm-hmm. constantly seesawing between these two things. Yeah. And what's what I found really cool about CrossFit is you could just, as long as you stay consistent and you eat fairly clean, like you get good results. Yeah, and you keep getting better. Like I work out four times a week, and... I am still retesting myself and I'm getting better every year. And that's so amazing. I've yet to plateau. And I love that. Yeah. Without practicing the same thing over and over. You're practicing all these different things and that makes you it all funnels in to making you better at certain things. Keep testing yourself. So that's always that's awesome. Well, I, I wanted to talk to you about a few very specific things because of your expertise and your um, experience working with very different types of people. Like mm. you work with um, Steve, who's in his fifties, uh, I guess. Fifty. Right? He just turned fifty-eight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you work with pretty young, like people in their early twenties that come into yes. CrossFit. Yeah. You work with people. programmers, a lot so of programmers. The, the whole range, right? Yeah, absolutely. And my, if I look at my wedding clients, I would say that they primarily skew to the like early to mid 30s. Mm-hmm. That would be kind of the average age. And so there's people that come from all kinds of different backgrounds. You know, I've worked with people that are you know, hardcore triathletes. I've worked with people who are marathon runners. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked with people who clearly just have been really consistent in going to the gym for a long time in their lives. Um, And I've also worked with people that have asked me basically after we, you know, decide to work together, they say, okay, let me, we'd love to do an engagement session. And then uh, I follow up with them and they say, actually, you know, is it possible for us to postpone the engagement shoot because we want to get in slightly better shape uh, before we get to the engagement shoot, Mm -hmm. right? So let's just push it out a few months and then we'll work towards our goal and we'll get better. Or people that say, you know, I've got this wedding dress. I want to fit into it. And right. so my goal between now and, you know, eight months from now is to to exercise and, and be consistent and get to a place where I actually fit into the wedding dress. Right. Um, and my thinking about this is that, um, you know, wedding is kind of a, a very seminal event in people's lives because it's a big marker and, and a thing that you say, okay, we're going to have this wedding we're going to make this commitment to each other we're going to build our lives together going forward and a lot of things actually do change after the wedding day right like you certainly your 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 social scene changes right whereas before you get married you're constantly i don't know maybe dating and and going out and socializing when you get married i think you're the way that you socialize and the way that you uh see yourself as as a social creature changes right um the way you think about building your life and your home and your kids. So it's, it's a huge marker in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so my thinking and, and one of the big reasons why I wanted to talk to you was to 
treat the wedding as like this big inflection point in your life that you could also dedicate to improving the fitness in your life. Using that drive to look really good on your wedding day, mm -hmm. to fit into the wedding dress, mm -hmm. to look really good for your engagement session. Using that as a way to build good habits and a new routine into your life that then you can maintain after the wedding day. Right. Um, so one of the things we can talk about is there are people that fall everywhere on that spectrum and also people that have different time frames until they get to their wedding day. Some people are going to get married in two months. Some people are going to get married in six months. Some people are planning their wedding 15 months out, right? Right. So there are all these different, uh, for each time frame, you might have to tailor a totally different uh, plan for a person, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe where we can start is to say, let's take, since you're, you're a coach and you're an experienced trainer, let's take different types of people and imagine a specific person and say, okay, you're this type of person. What would you do in terms of exercise, in terms of nutrition? How would you start, right? So let's say we take somebody who is uh, six months out from their wedding. They want to lose 10 pounds so they can fit into a wedding dress, for example. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they run a couple times a week, maybe do like yoga once every couple of weeks. So they exercise in a very sort of moderate way, right? But mm -hmm. they want to ramp it up, mm -hmm. uh, get really good results within six months to their day. So what would you recommend for somebody like that? Great, yeah. This person is in a good position. They got time. 10 pounds is definitely doable, depending on how much you weigh already. If you have been 10 pounds less before in your life at like your smallest, then this is maintainable. But if you're already really thin, 10 pounds is a lot. So let's just clarify that. Um, but let's say you've definitely been 10 pounds lighter before in your life and you want to get back to that because you know that's achievable if you've been there before, maybe when you were like 20 or something. Um, first thing you got to do since you're already active is you got you to up it, right? Now if you're running and your yoga that you do, that's what that's what's gotten you to your body now. So if you want to make that better, you have to bring up the intensity a little bit. Maybe you start doing sprint intervals or something. Maybe you start adding in some kind of weight training. Now, how are you going to do this? My number one advice for adding in new exercise and fitness is always to have some kind of guide, right? Whether it's like a group class led by an instructor or a personal trainer or something, but something that is also convenient in your life. You're not having to travel really far to get there. You're able to just pop in, pop out, because the less convenient it is, the less likely you're going to follow through and do it, right? So, um, and then you do need to change your diet. And six months out is a pretty good amount of time that it doesn't have to be more drastic. The closer you get to the date and you have to be way more drastic with changing what you're eating and the way you're eating. You know, start with like cutting out sugar, taking out, uh, cutting down significantly on any kind of alcohol you're drinking. Maybe stop eating bread, things like that, and then see how that goes. Of course, we have to talk about like what you eat now and how that looks and yeah but, yeah let's let's assume that this is a person that eats in a in a pretty standard way like you eat healthy most of the time mm. you have maybe you know 
a, a glass of wine every night. Maybe on the weekend you have uh, a couple of cocktails. Uh, maybe one or two days a week you eat like fairly unhealthy, like uh, pizza or yeah. um, some like big uh, carby Italian or Indian food or something like that, right? So on a scale of one to 10, you're like a six maybe in terms of how cleanly you eat and, and how much alcohol you consume. Yeah. 10 being like super clean and sober and one being awful. Right? Yeah. Okay. That's definitely doable. I would start with just cutting out sugar. Just start with a month of cutting that out. And then from there, cut something else out. Maybe bread. Now we're not eating sugar and bread. Then we're not eating sugar, bread, and cheese. Uh-huh. And getting like harder and harder that way you can kind of ease your way into it and you're not going to freak out and then binge and then just totally quit yeah right because that's what you don't want you want to figure out a way to maintain a diet and then maybe after the wedding find something you can work around it so you can still keep that hot sexy body forever and ever afterwards and not just totally let it go so you're saying with nutrition you should kind of keep adding layers of self-control yeah I think that's way more mentally manageable and um, and you can learn what you can replace things with, you know? So it's like, okay, I'm not, uh, I'm not drinking milk right now. So I will have almond milk instead. Now that is a total difference in flavor and it's not fun at first, but like you can, you have, it takes an adjustment period, right? And if you get over that adjustment period, like, like okay, now I'm not going to have beer and I only have one glass of wine on the weekends or something. And there's that whole adjustment period. But you still know you can have it. And then the more serious and like the tighter it gets, then you just cut out completely. And it doesn't seem as hard from going like 100 to zero. Yeah. And are there certain tools that you can think of or that you know that people have found effective in the past in terms of – because there's this expression of – what gets measured gets managed, right? Mm-hmm. So are there certain tools that you know that are really effective at measuring and showing you feedback about what you're doing other than just stepping on the scale every morning and hoping that the number right. goes down? Absolutely. I would never step on the scale every day, first of all. Once a week, and it has to be the same time of day because you can get really obsessed with that. And you don't want to stress so much about how much you weigh especially if you're weight training too. Your weight's not going to change that much. But um, I would start with either measuring your circumferences like around your waist and your hips or you could just take a pair of pants and think about, okay, these pair of pants are super tight now and then like do they get smaller like that? So that's just like the most simple measure circumferences around you, like your inches. How many inches have you lost? Uh, If you want to get really scientific with it, we use – NorCal Fitness Wave, which is a hydrostatic body test, and they te- it shows you your body composition, how much fat you have versus how much lean mass you have. We use this at our gym a lot because uh, it's it's just way more scientific than ne- like not using your BMI, your body max index. That's ridiculous. Don't use that ever. Um, it just doesn't incorporate how much lean mass you have. So if you're weight training, you want to know how much body how much of your weight is actual lean mass and how much of it is body fat so you can use those and it's really accurate so maybe every three months test yourself on that um but as simple in home is the inches and like a pants or a dress that you have to go off i would yeah yeah so some of those things are um 
for example, you don't want to step on the scale every day, like you said, yeah. maybe once a week. Mm -hmm. The uh, hydrostatic body fat test you wouldn't do every day. You might do it once every, like every three, three months, months or yeah, something, Yeah, every three right? months, yeah. So are there little ways that you can reinforce what you're doing and give yourself positive feedback on a more frequent basis? That's a good question. So that is going to come more through fitness, I would say, than measuring how you look, right? You could also take pictures of yourself, but fitness is going to show you measurable results much faster. And, and it's fun, right? Working towards like maybe maybe you have a run every day and you run it as fast as you can and it takes you 25 minutes. And then maybe every day you're just going to try to beat that 25. Next time you're going to try doing 24. And the day after that you try 22 or something like that. Um, and then you can be – like I said, working towards a goal on your performance versus how you look. And if you're working towards performance, the body's going to come with it too. Okay. On the food – side on the nutrition side here's a question that may be i don't know maybe a little bit provocative maybe a little bit more difficult to answer okay but we're all human right and i think we have a tendency well there's this whole concept of willpower right mm -hmm. uh that willpower is is like a reservoir that you can do things to uh, fill the reservoir of willpower and usually your reservoir of willpower is higher or highest at the beginning of the day uh, when you're just starting, when you haven't expended physical or emotional energy on anything yet. You just got out of bed, right? Right. Um, so you're at your full potential. Yeah. As your day moves on, you come across all kinds of things where you have to expend your energy and that reduces and reduces and reduces and re reduces your willpower, mm. right? To the point where... By the time you get to the end of your workday mm. and you've dealt with a lot of stress and you've uh, made a lot of decisions and solved a lot of problems, yeah. uh, your willpower is almost completely depleted, which is why for most people, the natural thing to do at the end of a really hard workday is to come home, sit on the couch, kick your feet up and eat a bag of chips or some ice cream or whatever, because you're literally, you have no more willpower to resist eating unhealthy food or, yeah. or slipping into unhealthy habits. Oh, right? yeah. I think everybody understand, feels that. Yeah. And two things, two things that are going to help you with that. One is having a plan. So, A, you don't have any of that food in your house anymore that you shouldn't be eating. But you have maybe your meals ready to go. And that is going to be so effective. Maybe on Sunday you cook your meals. It's there. You don't even have to think. It's already made. You're good to go. And you're tired, so now you, that's what you have to eat. The second thing is to have a support system. So if you guys are doing this together, maybe only one person wants to lose weight, but your fiancé should definitely be on your side and helpful. They're not, at the end of the day, eating a bowl of ice cream in front of you. That's rude. right? They, you want to have that support system. You want to be telling everybody, all your friends, your family, like, hey, you guys, this is my goal. I'm trying to lose 10 pounds by the wedding. And I really need your support on this. And um, if you ever see me, you know, breaking down, like, will you just help me and remind me and, you know, be like, you could do it. That is really important. Having a plan and having support to keep you from giving into willpower. Yeah. Or, or, or your lack, or of, lack, will to, <laughs> lack of willpower. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's a really good answer. Um, and then I want to ask you maybe what is the more provocative part of this question? Because 
and and to set the context, I think for me, this conversation is about both, you know, partners preparing themselves for the wedding in this way. So whether it's, uh, you know, a man and a woman or two men or two women, you're working towards this goal together. And like you said, you have to support each other. Both of you want to get in shape uh, and, and want to be feeling your best and looking your best, which are kind of symbiotic, right? Mm -hmm. um, on the day of the wedding. Mm -hmm. um, but for women specifically, mm. and I know this because I've lived with a woman for many years now, <laughs> um, there are certain times of the month where it's much harder to maintain a certain willpower, oh especially gosh. when it comes to food, especially when it comes to exercise. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about, of course, the, the cycle. And I love how you're asking about that. That is so great. Um, yes, I feel this every time you want something salty or you want something sweet. And for me as a woman, I definitely give in, but I don't give in to the worst thing ever, right? I'll have the darkest chocolate of all time because you can have a square and you're satisfied and it's fine. And that's okay. That's okay to give in like once a month. It's going to be fine, but limit it, limit it and find something that will work. That's, you know, at least you're not having a bowl of ice cream, you know, and if you're and stay away from like the low fat stuff, because that's just not satisfying. Do something that's satisfying. So you only have one and then you move on and the craving's gone. That's what gets me through it. Yeah. You know, like, for example, I don't eat uh, bread or I try to stay away from potato chips or something. So when I want something salty, I'll go for like a plantain chip. I mean, it's not the best, but it's better than your Lay's or your Ruffles. And I still get that salty, crunchy feeling and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. But if you do make uh, unhealthy choices or if you have cheap meals, how do you prevent yourself from beating yourself up about it because you're you know what i mean like you're working yeah. towards this goal right. you're trying to stay positive and then you go to your uh, parents house for dinner or you have a birthday party or you go out drinking for somebody's birthday and yeah you made a day or a night or a couple of days of unhealthy choices or maybe like you made some unhealthy choices the day before mm -hmm. it carries over into the following day so now you've had a whole weekend where you kind of you know uh let yourself down in that sense yeah how do you prevent yourself from like emotionally from beating yourself up about it? That's a great question. And I'm sure a lot of people have different ways about this, but I think you need to be forgiving. And then you're like, okay, I cheated. That's okay. Tomorrow I'm back on track. Don't let it snowball into I cheated. Oh, I'm giving up. Screw it. Like just tomorrow I'm eating clean. I'm going to have my hard boiled eggs and my oatmeal and I kind of have it all planned out. It's okay. I'm just going to move on. You know, it was just one time. Maybe I'll push a little harder on my workout. But yeah, you don't want to punish yourself. I totally agree with you on that. It's yeah. not good. Do you think that it's better, again, just thinking about human nature, do you think it's better to just anticipate that you're going to cheat and and like set aside, okay, Sunday nights is my cheat night. I'm going to allow myself ice cream and you know, a glass of scotch or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, is it better to just sort of like put that on the calendar? Yeah. Actually, I, I think it is. I think it is. Like when you're trying to cut out from, 
for me, I, I love wine, right? So cutting out wine is like really tough. But I know, okay, I'll get one glass of wine at dinner when I go out with my friends and I'm really looking forward to that wine, right? And you end up savoring it and you had it and you're like, okay, I rewarded myself with this glass of wine. I think that's totally, that makes perfect sense. And again, if we're six months out from the wedding, that's going to be fine. Now, if we're talking like, oh my gosh, I'm a month away and I have done nothing, well, girl, you are having to really work hard now. But it's only a month, so you just got to be 30 days of strict. But we're six months out, so you want to do something that's maintainable. And having, you know, your one cheat every week is a good way of doing that. Yeah. Of maintaining without splurging or what we call binging. Yeah. I didn't know that about you, by the way, that you really like wine. Yeah. Like uh, my family also makes wine. Ah. <laughs> so it's in the it's in the blood. So you like horses and wine. Horses and wine. Yeah. How how yeah. aristocratic of you. I know, right? <laughs> uh. Well, that's it, it's an interesting segue to um, the the like you said the person that uh, hasn't done anything and now only has a month left. Or we can use a month as sort of a euphemism of okay, there's little time left. It might be two months. It might be six weeks. Whatever. Right. And it could even be the person that uh, had six months and for whatever reason wasn't able to follow, you know, st stick to the goals or, or, right. or do everything. Maybe got injured or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, we can talk about that as a separate thing too. But, um, <laughs> you know, let's say you have very little time left and uh, now you really are kind of facing crunch time. So you have to, I guess, make some really drastic adjustments is it achievable let's say you have a month left before your wedding day is it achievable i think it is but on a smaller level you know you might lose like two pounds or something or lose some water weight and it gets you that extra inch in your dress or your suit belt loop or whatever i think it is is it maintainable after the wedding definitely not because it's, it has to be drastic. You, know, yeah. you are you are not having any kind of bread or sugar or alcohol. You have to sleep. You got to work hard. Like you got all your proteins. Like you really have to plan it out. Right. Right. And it's perfect because uh, when it's a month left before your wedding, you're in the least stressful time of your life. There's no stress. It's not like you're dealing with anything. It's not like you have to make a bunch of decisions or you have family coming into town. Like when you're a month out from your wedding, you're just chilling. So you have all the willpower. I'm being really sarcastic. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> so yeah, that that really sucks, right? Because yeah, this really is the price. Sucks. So the more you procrastinate to the wedding or the you know, the less you get done, then you get into that crunch time and it's the worst time yeah. to be trying to use your willpower to exercise and, and, yeah, and stick you to your do that to yourself. Yeah. So there's this program called Whole Thirty, right? Or yeah. I'm sure that it exists in different incarnations, but mm -hmm. a lot of people try it as a way to like jumpstart healthy habits, maybe after the end of the uh, after the new year, right? Right, but right. Talk a little bit about that because you've done that before, right? Yeah. Um, Whole30 is definitely a little challenging. Again, so no no sugar, no dairy, no bread. Uh, what am I saying? And there's no processed foods. Yeah, no processed foods. Starches. Yeah, only, yeah, no starches. You're just having like whole, uh, raw, and just meat and vegetables, basically. It's like paleo diet. It's like basically. paleo, yeah. Um. Just more extreme. And like, no alcohol. No alcohol. Definitely not. Can't that is a that's a sneaky one. Alcohol is a sneaky one that makes you hold on to that little tire around your belly that I know you don't want that. That's not what you want. Um, there's that. I would always choose Whole30 over like a juice cleanse. Like 
a juice the purpose of a juice cleanse is to clean out your digestive system because you're having digestive tract issues and maybe you're not processing food but losing weight on juice cleanse is just purely water and it's not real and it's going to come back immediately and it doesn't change your diet habits so i would definitely never recommend that unless you're drinking a bunch of sugar unless you're drinking a bunch of sugar yeah so that's for like a totally different thing but when you're trying to lose weight or change it eating habit whole 30 is a good a good way of doing it and it's only 30 days so it is only 30 days um again you're at crunch time how you probably have a million appointments to go through and da, da, da. how are you going to schedule in your fitness are you going to keep moving so support system and um at that point, if you haven't lost the weight now, you should definitely be hiring a trainer, right? You spent all this money on a, on a napkin and like that's only going to be there one day. Right. Right. On, your, on the table for your wedding reception. <laughs> yeah. Or some has flowers. Your name or, on it, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, so invest in the money that you know this person's going to keep you accountable. They're going to get you in there. They're going to be like, all right, how's your diet going? Is everything cool? They're going to make sure you're not going to get injured. Their workouts are going to be catered around what your goals are. You might as well just do that because that will be the most effective way possible. It's a get, It's about support and your trainer is going to be supporting you through that specific goal that is really important to you. Having a photo that will last forever in the dress that you want to wear and then looking great for your honeymoon afterwards. And then maybe hopefully knowing how to exercise now so you can carry that on yeah. forever and ever. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really big one, by the way. I forgot to even mention it that you want to look killer for your honeymoon yeah. because most likely you're going somewhere tropical where you're going to be showing off your yeah six pack or absolutely and especially uh hopefully your trainer will be showing you weight training and your results from weight training will last longer if you take a week off right if you're just doing straight cardio and you take a week off of that whoop, you're just gonna gain all that weight back but if you're weight training your muscles are going to be burning calories just by living so you're not going to gain as much weight back. And that's in everybody's favor. We want that, right? So more muscle mass, the more energy you burn, the more calories you burn. And that's a good thing. Yeah. It's kind of magical almost. Yeah. You're just burning calories while you watch TV. Yeah. Are you just sleeping? Are you just burning calories? It's great. <laughs> so let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about specific – because for guys, I don't think it's, it's really an issue. Um you know, guys generally just want to be more muscular, you know, and if the like button on your button down shirt gets a little stretched, you're like, oh, look at me. I've put a half an inch on my chest. <laughs> yeah. But for women, I think one of the biggest questions and also as it specifically relates to CrossFit mm. is I don't want to get too muscular. I don't want to get too bulky. I don't want to lift weights because I'm going to have muscles accentuated that I, I don't want you know i want right. to i want to be feminine and yeah. slender i want to be toned but i don't want to get too bulky yeah how do i find that balance and what would you say to to answer that well i can see why people would think that you know because the first time weightlifting came out and it became popular it was bodybuilding and there was a lot of drugs going around during that time and you would see a woman who was weightlifting and she was insanely massive and looked manly because well she's on drugs but you just put weightlifting with big muscles but that's not real you have to have drugs to get like that and then now with crossfit um you see the elite people in the games and they're also very muscular um 
The drugs thing is a little more unknown, but they are really muscular. However, they're also exercising five hours a day, six days a week, and you have never lift weight in your life. And maybe you'll do weightlifting two to three hours a week, and you're just never going to look like that. It will never happen unless you work really, 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 really hard to get like that if you want to be in the games or something. So I tell women that weightlifting is going to get you to your goal faster, and you have lady muscles. It's just not in your genetic to ever look like a man. It's just not there unless your family members might look that way automatically. That's totally a different topic because that's genetics. But most of the time, that's not the case. So when you start weightlifting, this is actually why I tell people, I'm like, okay, how about this? Try weightlifting for three months. And if you look like a man, um, all you have to do is stop and they'll just go right away. <laughs> like They will just disappear after like two weeks. They'll just start going away. So it's really not a long lasting thing, but it's not going to get that way. I've been doing I weightlift for four to five hours a week. And if I ask people, do I look bulky? And they're like, no, I would love to look like that. I'm like, okay, well, there's your answer. I don't, I don't get it, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. So do you think that um, like as part of a program, if you were working with somebody, would you have them lift heavy occasionally? Would you have them do lightweight and lots of repetitions occasionally how do you structure the workouts if somebody's like you know you're having them lift heavy mm -hmm. especially you know you're having a woman lift heavy weights um and the two questions that are immediately kind of hanging in the back of her mind are uh number one am i going to get injured am i going to get injured am i going to get injured and number two uh am i going to get bulky am i going to get bulky right okay so when you're first learning weightlifting a lot of it is learning technique so you're never going to go over the top, extremely heavy, until you figure out the movement. Now that's gonna take about three to six months to actually learn properly how to weightlift. So those first three to six months, you're going on a lighter weight, more repetition, just to kind of get it down and to build your foundation and your core and like around your joints um, so your body can handle that weight. It's not really necessary to do like, you know, three to, to one reps, especially of what you're like looking for. Um, but weight training and the five rep and up, eight reps, 10 reps, yes, I would be doing a lot more of that stuff just because it's good practice, repetition. It's going to, um, yeah, build you some nice toning muscle mass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's actually really interesting to me when we were talking about how exercise sort of comes in I don't know if fat is the right word, but it comes in kind of uh, waves of, of things that people are really excited about, like weightlifting, like running, like jazzercise or aerobic stuff, like yoga, mm -hmm. like CrossFit. So mm -hmm. it just sort of, you know, every few years something new appears. Mm -hmm. um, and what's interesting to me, what comes with that is the ideal of, the, the aesthetic ideal that, that comes with it, right? Because I think during the weightlifting uh, phase, during the weightlifting craze, uh, the thing that was kind of the aesthetic ideal was like for men, big triangular upper bodies, big muscles, big shoulders, big biceps, big chest, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a lot of focus on that. Uh, and now I feel, oh, you know what? I think the 90s was all about triathlons. Hmm. Like it wasn't that 
Don't you think that's when it really accelerated? Like triathlon? Yeah, maybe more 2000s. 2000s. Yeah. So I think that for me, uh, and I've, I've read several articles on this too, is that that uh, change or, or I guess that new dimension of fitness and exercise that was introduced uh, shifted the way the value that people put on these uh, body aesthetics, right? Mm-hmm. I think now for men, one of the things that, especially here in San Francisco, everybody's constantly exercising. You see a lot of emphasis on having like really toned legs, like really toned quads and calves because people are doing a lot of running, a lot of biking. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems to be, to me, to me, much more prevalent. And then CrossFit kind of brought it back a little bit in the other direction. For women, I think it's also interesting because uh, there was sort of this aversion initially to women having muscular arms and muscular shoulders and toned bodies, uh, upper bodies. Mm -hmm. And then recently I saw some random article that came up in Facebook and it said like uh, 10 celebrities you didn't know that do CrossFit. And it was a photo of Cameron Diaz. Mm -hmm. And she has these totally like jacked and toned arms (laughs) and shoulders. I mean, it's crazy. I didn't even know that she looked like that. Oh, yeah. She's super strong. Well, she loves to like surf and she's super active. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's like a new... There's like Madonna. Yeah. Yeah. Madonna. Madonna is like the the perfect example. Yeah. You know, there's this, there's this value now on women having like strong muscular defined arms and shoulders. Well, I don't know how much people actually think about this, but for me, I'm thinking about what my body is going to look like when I'm 70 years old. And if I have muscle mass now, I'm going, and if I maintain it, there's going to be a lot less flopping around, right? So there's this term we use called skinny fat where you're skinny, but you're just soft fat. It's just whatever your flesh is that you have on you, it's just like the soft flat. So as you get older, that's the stuff that's going to droop and sag and hang around and going to be way harder to lift back up if unless you have money for surgery, which unfortunately, you don't. You don't want to have to do that. But if you're weight training um, forever and ever, yeah, you maybe have like a maybe a more – tone arm a little more cut or buff look but by the time you're 70 that stuff's not drooping it's still there everything's in place doesn't move around now that is that's attractive to me i like that idea it's like i like the idea of also being able to like move a box and not worry about throwing my back out right that's that's also important to me right and weightlifting is going to prepare my body for those times when you're just like oh you just like move a rug and you like throw a back out. Like that could happen so easily, right? So I want to be strong around in my core and my spine to protect myself so I can be active. Maybe someone's like, hey, let's let's do a Spartan race. You're like, oh, I've never done anything like that. But I feel confident that I can climb this like mountain and climb this rope and un- run as well. I like that. I like being able to do that. Especially going your honeymoon. And you're going to go on, you're most likely going to go on a beautiful hike. Let's say you go to Hawaii and you're going to go, let's hike in Hawaii. That is no joke. That is hard. You are climbing stairs and maybe you have to actually climb a ladder and like hold on to a rope. And if you're not strong, you can really hurt yourself in your hike. You know, you want to be able to do life things like that. Be able to put your luggage in an overhead bin. That's huge too, right? Yeah. So weightlifting prepares you for things like that. Yeah. And I, as a as a wedding photographer, I'm big on doing physical things in my photos or having couples do physical things in my photos. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not a big fan of just having people like stand there. 
um, because I like movement and you know, movement creates uh, emotion and spontaneity. So oftentimes I will ask the groom, for example, hey, how's your lower back? Is it pretty decent? Yeah, sure. Okay, pick her up and I'll have him pick up the bride and hold her or swing her around or whatever. And then I'll tell her, um, hey, while he's doing that, I want you to flutter kick your feet so that I can get some cool like angles with your legs and your shoes and stuff. Um, and I love doing that kind of stuff because it creates that spontaneity and emotion. And uh, it's no joke to hold somebody up like that. And then for the person being held up and flutter kicking their feet, that's an abdominal exercise. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I, I do that stuff all the time. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I actually had a couple uh, a few months ago. And um, I always try to pay attention to every little detail of, of people's bodies. Because it's my, it's my goal to make people look good, right? Mm -hmm. So I look at things like uh, people's hands and, uh, you know, people's obviously like which side of their face is, is a better angle and things like that. Um, and this couple that I was working with, I was trying to kind of figure out like what I want to do with their hands and how do I want to structure the shot. And I looked down at the guy's hands and he had his hands were ripped up like his, you know, like he had calluses that ripped and stuff. And I was like, oh, let me guess. You do CrossFit. <laughs> And he said, yeah, actually, I just did this, uh, like, uh, challenge of uh, 200 uh, kettlebell snatches for time or something like that oh, wow. like the other day. So he ripped up his hands. Um, <laughs> anyway, I digress. Did you make him do cool things or what? Yeah, I made, him, I made him rub his hands on the pavement uh, <laughs> for spontaneous emotion to, to see what comes from that. Um, but I no, then I knew I was like, oh, you're a CrossFitter, great. So then I, uh, I had him like uh, pick her up, and we did a bunch of other stuff. So it was yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things that that is the the point of this conversation is when you feel strong and you know you look good and you feel confident, it shows through in every aspect of your wedding day, not just even in the pictures, mm -hmm. but everything you do every interaction every social interaction you have how you feel how you carry yourself your posture yeah your posture everything standing all day long yeah that's and right. dancing all night long mm -hmm. and being able to last that is huge yeah. yeah and exercise is going to make you help you through that day yeah absolutely yeah and 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 the stamina that you will need to get through all of it yeah it's a long day some of the wedding days that i do uh people start their makeup at like six in the morning yeah. And they're in their high heels until uh, like well past midnight or whatever. Right. Sometimes they even forget that they're wearing heels. So it's a long day and you need to survive it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Let me ask you, uh, you know, going back to uh, hiring a personal trainer, because I think we talked about the, there's, well, I see how a wedding comes together and I see all the different places where you need to invest money in order to put the day uh together and make it happen and a lot of the expenses you anticipate like you're gonna have to pay for the venue and you're gonna have to pay for the cake and the photographer and the flowers but then as you get down to crunch time there become a lot of small decisions that you have to make and a lot of like deaths by a thousand paper cuts and like little tiny expenses that stack up here and there and when you get to crunch time and you get to the place where you just like, okay, I just wanted to, it, we just have to make this happen. Like you start shelling out money left and right just to make sure that all your bases are covered for little tiny things that you didn't even know were going to creep up on you. Mm. Um, so investing and in working with a trainer 
is one of those things that you said is going to have lasting impact on your life yeah. before and after. Uh, how do you, if you put yourself back into the mindset of this uh, bride or groom who are, have you know a few months to get ready for their wedding, mm. how do you select the right trainer for you? Because people have very different personalities, mm -hmm. right? For example, uh, and we can just use you and me as examples. Yeah. Uh, you are an extremely social and like effervescent, and uh, you know you're 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 an amazingly excited person uh, about everything. Like the way that you interact with people, you have like super positive energy. You're always super upbeat. Uh, you you connect with everybody instantly and effortlessly. Uh, and you carry that with you through in all your interactions in the gym, the way that you do your workouts, right? Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I have times where I come to the gym where I just like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to put my head down. I just want to get my workout done. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got a billion things going on in my head, for example, right? Or I just, you know, I just feel like, just let me do my thing, right? Right. Uh, so we're very different in that way. Yeah. And you and I, if we were to go and pick personal trainers for ourselves, we would probably pick different people based on our own personalities and levels of extrovertedness or introvertedness. So true. So so what would be your advice for somebody that's searching for a pro? Because it's a very intimate relationship. Right? I agree. Yeah. I think the best thing to do is join the gym and uh, most of the time, uh, the gym will give you like, they'll probably set you up with a trainer or something. But if you could, I would sit back and see what trainers are there at the times that you want to work out because that's important to make sure that your time matches their time. And just kind of watch them with their clients and see, don't go based off their workouts because they're probably doing a different workout based on what their client is. Like I'll my workout with one client versus another, it could be night and day. But just see how they interact. Are they like, are they buddies? Is the trainer like hanging out on their phone? Are they leaning? Are they sitting down a lot? Are they up? Are they in their face motivating? Are they really intense? Are they like laid back? Yeah. I would just kind of watch, not that long, just watch them for the couple clients and then go from there. Mm -hmm. um, when you meet them in the in the first time too you'll probably much know right away like yeah this person seems like they know what they're doing we seem to click they're actually listening to me and i wouldn't you don't want a trainer that's too preachy but has good knowledge you know what i mean that's that's my what i would prefer what kind of trainer would you prefer oh i don't know that's a tough question <laughs> um yeah i think i would prefer somebody that um is really responsive and um isn't put off by being challenged mm. um doesn't you know like this is the way you do things and this is it and this is how you're gonna do it you know mm. and and if i challenge that person or if i ask them questions or if i try to you know explore directions that are maybe not uh part of of their arsenal and how they work that that doesn't turn them off and doesn't frustrate them or doesn't make them angry, but that they're flexible enough to, you know, deal with that or accommodate it or, you know, be able to give me straight answers on things like that. Right. I think that would be probably the main thing. Um, but I've been, I've been working out for a long time. And so I know a lot of things about my style of workouts and, and my body and how it works and the things that I need. So it's a little bit different. Um, 
but let's say you're somebody that is uh you're you're looking for a personal trainer you're not like in the gym you're, you haven't joined a gym so you're not like observing different people got it but let's say you're sitting at your computer at work in your cubicle and you're like oh god i need a personal trainer i have six months left or whatever so you pull up a list of people on yelp mm. and they all have their contact form or phone number or whatever so if you're doing it that way where you're just contacting a number of people and trying to get a sense for who they are what questions should you ask so Number one, even though they're trying to keep you accountable, you want to make sure they're close by or they can come to you. Convenient. You got to get make sure that's close by. Okay. So now we know they're close by. Good. Second thing you want to know is how long they've been training and what type of people they usually work with, right? If they're like, oh, I've been training, I've been working with professional athletes. Like, well, why you're not a professional athlete. Why would you want to work with this person? They're used to people coming in like fit, know what they're doing. You know, maybe you want to work with someone who's like, I work with some, I'm good at weight loss. Like they're going to say things that they specialize in. I work with uh, Olympic lifting and powerlifting. Okay, great. You know, those are things you want to do. Or I am yoga certified and Pilates certified and TRX. Okay. You know, they're not going to probably have any weightlifting background, but they're going to do these type of things. So you have to kind of know what kind of exercise you want, but know who you are. And does that person work with your group of people? What about um, interpersonal style? Like, for example, um, one of the things that happens in CrossFit is you're going through, you're moving through a really difficult workout, especially towards the end. There's like, you really have to push yourself to, to finish something, for mm -hmm. example. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we do is we tend to really cheer each other on, push each other. Sometimes when you're work, you know, when you're training a group of people in a CrossFit class, you'll walk around and you will encourage them. Or some people need like, you know, they want to be pushed harder to, to, to move faster or finish yeah. faster. Um, and that's kind of a, um, that's a personal thing that might work for some people where they are motivated by, for lack of a better word, like not abuse, but motivated by like really hard, like pushing, like somebody really making, like, you know, being in their face or like being close to them and pushing them to finish and pushing them to work harder. And other people maybe are really put off by that. Maybe they're scared or intimidated yeah. by somebody like be no, come on, one more rep. Like do one more. Maybe that doesn't work for them. So what what kind of questions would you ask to explore that part of a trainer's uh, work personality and, and approach? Man, that's a great question. How would you f discover that? Because as a trainer, I would like to say that I can sense that and I know that and I adjust my coaching style per person. I know exactly when I can't tell them in the middle of the workout, hey, hurry the mess up, you know, like, let's go. Or I wait till it's over or I just say, hey, good job. You're doing great. You know, I definitely have to change it up per person. And as a personal trainer, you should know how to work with people in that way. So I would hope that most trainers can do that. Now, if you were to find that out, I would just ask them straight up, like, are you – are you going to push me throughout the whole thing? Or are you going to know when I need to slow down? What, how are you going to, what's your method? I <laughs> would just ask that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hard question though. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and sometimes because sometimes you don't know what you need. Yeah. Right. Some like you think that you're the type of person that doesn't want to be pushed. Right. But maybe you need to be pushed in order to get to to where you need to go. And I've seen you train people and push them, and just from watching from the side, I'm like, wow, I can't believe she's like pushing that person, you know, because it's a really hard workout. But then I see how appreciative and how proud those people are at the end of it on the other side you、right. know so clearly you know what you're doing and you have that sensitivity where you're like no no this like this person needs to be pushed a little further in order、yeah. to to get through right or sometimes i'm like stop rest like i have to tell them when to slow down you know it's like just hey just trust that i'm your guide and i know when you need to speed up and i know when you need to slow down and i it takes a little bit of time as a trainer to like to learn that about someone Right, so the first couple of sessions, it's all about like really getting to know what where they are in their fitness level and when it's when they're ready to like bring up the intensity and when they need to dial it back. You know, it's kind of like this like learning process as a trainer too. Yeah. Right. So,、uh, the first couple of sessions, if your trainer is on your butt, the first couple of sessions, I would be like, why? You don't even know me. How do you know that I need that? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be like that in the first. I would wait till I really got to know the person. And know when they're ready for that intensity. Going back to this question of motivation,、um, one of the things that I see a lot is the hashtag "sweating for the wedding" or something like it, where、mm-hmm. you know people people work out, people work hard, people invest a significant chunk of their lives into being at the gym or you know running a half marathon or whatever, and people want to share that. On social media, because they want the positive feedback from their community、mm-hmm. about what they're doing, about the way their body looks, about their half marathon time, about you know whatever it is.、Um, what are your thoughts on using social media as a way to motivate yourself? So that's a that's a mixed. Question. I, it's okay. It's different for everybody in, in terms of how active they are in social media already. But me personally, when I post a fitness video versus just a regular video of me doing something else, I'm gonna get more likes on my exercise videos every time. People just always are very supportive of that, and that's that feels good.、They're、like, oh, look, I did do well, and everybody agrees with how well I did, and they're proud of me.、Um, and maybe I'm inspiring them to get fit. Because I think that's what it really is. Not only are you getting feedback, but you're inspiring others to also be in shape too for their wedding or whatever they're working towards. So if it works for you, that's awesome. Some people,、um, I think, use social media like, "Hey, if I go to the gym right now, I can post about it." And but if I don't go, then I can't post about it. I don't. I think it's really rare that people are like, "Hey, you didn't post a video. Did you not go to the gym today?" Like, <laughs> I don't think it works out that way. Okay. I, unless people actually call you out for, I never experienced that though. Okay. Yeah, I I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's gonna make or break you, social media. All right. What、uh, do you think? Well, I have I want to go one level deeper. Okay,、this. let's go. Let's And this、it. this may be a little bit of a sensitive or, or provocative topic when you go into the social media rabbit hole,、uh, but I want to explore it, and I think you're the right person to explore it with. So, um. Put yourself on the other side of 
somebody who's consuming what somebody puts out on social media about their exercise routine or their workouts, mm -hmm. right? Um, there are probably, I would guess there are probably three reactions, right? Um, the first one is like positive empathy that you're a person that also exercises and you see somebody else who's exercising and you're like, yeah, go you. That's great. I can totally relate to the workout that you just did because I also do CrossFit or because I also do triathlons or because I also publish my seven mile runs with Strava or whatever. Uh, so go you. Right? Mm -hmm. um, the second reaction would be probably what you're desiring as a person who's posting your your stuff, especially if you're trying to use it for, for personal motivation. You want a show of support from people, right? You want people to be like, hey, that's great. That's great that you're sweating for the wedding. That's great that you're trying to get in shape. And so as somebody who is on the other side of that, you're like, you feel like, yes, if this is my friend or this is an acquaintance, I can support them and I can post positive comments or like their videos, whatever. Um, what about the third group of people? who are people that may feel um, put off by or may feel a sense of guilt brought on by people who post a lot of, you know, workout videos about themselves. Like what just this is kind of maybe less related to everything else we've been talking about, but I'm just curious about you as a trainer and somebody who's been in fitness their whole life. Like, how do you feel about that? The people like, ugh, you here you are posting so many exercise videos, like clogging up my news feed with all your stuff. Um as someone in fitness, I guess I definitely have a, a very biased opinion towards that. I'm like, first of all, why aren't you supportive of that? Like, why does that bother you so much? Does it make you feel insecure about what you're not doing? Yeah. And um like and if you if it does bother you, then you no one's requiring you to comment. You know, I would never do something like my friend didn't like this photo. I would have never I would never think that. Right. Nobody knows when they're not when you're not commenting or liking. And you can always get rid of it, right? But I think you need to think about why why does it bother you so much that they're making themselves better? You know, this is totally different than like a political rant. This is them bettering themselves. So what is it going on inside of you that you're not dealing with? Maybe you need to start doing something that you can also post and feel proud of and get that back. Yeah. Or maybe social media isn't for you because that's a lot of what social media is. <laughs> Photos and, and, and short videos of people doing workouts yeah, and yoga. Yeah, or their babies or their beautiful wedding or their amazing trip. It's like bragging rights, you know? That's what social media is about. It's like, I want you to prove that I'm doing good and I want you to see how great I'm doing. It's really rare that people go online and talk about how not good they're doing. That's, that happens, but it's, it's not as often, you know? This, this must have been 10 years ago now. Yeah, just about 10 years ago. So uh, Mila and I decided to do the master cleanse. It's the one with cayenne pepper, cayenne pepper lemon, lemon, and uh, maple syrup. Mm. So you mix these giant jugs of cayenne pepper and lemon and maple syrup, like meal prep. You know, you just huge jugs of this stuff. You put them in your fridge, and you're required to drink X amount of it. And oh, there's one more thing in there. 
some sort of salts, I think. Oh, no, no, no. Separately from that mixture, separately from that mixture, you have to drink some sort of salt or something like that. Mm. It's basically a laxative mm. that right. like cleans you out so that apparently by the end of this cleanse, you're supposed to be, there's supposed to be like nothing left in your system kind of thing. Um, and you're losing a ton of weight because you're not really getting a lot of calories, right? mm -hmm. even though you're drinking maple syrup. Um, so we decided to try this master cleanse, and I think you can do it for different lengths of time, but we decided to commit to it for seven days. And wow. so one of the ways in which we decided that we're going to try to reinforce our commitment to doing this master cleanse is by creating daily videos about it. So this was fairly like nascent Facebook days. Right, right, right. So yeah. we were almost a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of uh, here's videos of what we're doing. Yeah. Um, but it <laughs> was, head. it was. I thought about it before I asked you that question about motivation and social media because I remember very, very clearly how difficult certain days were on that master cleanse and how the knowledge that every night we had to make this video or actually it was it became kind of a process of making the video throughout the day and then i would edit it at night and then post it mm -hmm. um and it became this total commitment where every single night we had to f finalize and post this video mm -hmm. to social media and we were basically doing this uh, i guess it's called the ulysses contract where you tie yourself to the mast of your ship you know so that <laughs> yeah. you don't you're not uh, seduced by the sirens in the water so this was the thing like we Every night we had to make this video, we had to post it, and and we committed to hundreds of people on social media that we were going to do this because it was a very difficult thing to do. And I really felt like creating those videos was a way for us to commit to it. Um, and we experienced that full range of emotions uh, in terms of uh, people really being very supportive of us and, and feeling like we were getting that feedback from people and like, okay, we can keep going. Yeah. Uh, plus, another thing that was really interesting is that even though I would, first of all, I would never do the master cleanse again ever because it is a horrible, horrible experience. <laughs> <laughs> it is. If, even if you just think about what you're doing to your body and uh, like what lack of nutritional value you're, you're doing. You're basically fasting and that's just like the sugar is just getting you through the day. Exactly. Exactly. That's pretty much exactly. what's happening. Uh, it's horrible and uh, I in, in many ways, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. But one of the things that was actually amazing about it is that, and we talked about this in, in a couple of our videos, I think, is that at a certain point where you knew in the back of your mind that you would never have to think about food throughout the day because it's just not going to be there for you. Mm. So you're going to drink this concoction and there's going to be no food. So just don't even worry about it, right? Yeah. And after a few days of this, I think on like day three or four, there was this crazy mental clarity that started to creep in because ah. you realize how much of your mental capacity every day you were dedicating to thinking just about food. Mm. What am I going to have for breakfast? What am I going to have for lunch? What am I yeah. going to have for dinner? Where are we going to go? Totally. Right? Oh, I have to cook something. Like all those things that are constantly going on in the back of your mind, they were just gone completely. So it was like flushing out not just ostensibly all these toxins from your body, but it was flushing out the mental need to think about where your next meal is going to come from. And the runway that that opened up in my mind was actually really impressive.
Huh? How fascinating. I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess these monks, Buddhist monks that sit on mountaintops for hours at a time and meditate, they must experience some very advanced form of this mm -hmm. clarity where they're just not, their mind is completely empty of desire and they can have, you know, uh, epiphanies and revelations or whatever. But for, <laughs> for me, it was this mental clarity that came with just not having to worry about food for a while. And not like, God forbid, not like not having to worry about food for a while because you're going hungry and because it's not coming from anywhere, but not having to worry about food because you just made this like finite commitment. Um, and the videos, at least from my perspective, I think became more interesting and deeper uh, as time went on because of that experience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your mind was, you had some really good stuff to say. It was like a trip, you know, it just kept getting deeper and deeper. And when I, I think about that experience that we had for seven days with Mila, uh, and I think about this whole conversation that we had, it, there's a lot of parallels there because all these things about uh, making a commitment, finding a way to reinforce that commitment, mm -hmm. um, finding a partner that's supportive and going to be there with you the whole way so that you're not out there on your own. Mm -hmm. um, looking for little things like that, like little positive benefits that start to sprout and appear out of your new routine, out of your new diet, out of your new exercise regimen, uh, and, and being able to identify and say, hey, this is actually pretty cool. Like, yes, I'm giving up uh, white bread or you know peanut brittle or whatever, but then I'm getting this, this is happening now, and this is really positive. Mm. Um, so I would never do the master cleanse again, but I think back to that experience a lot because it taught me a lot about making that type of commitment, specifically when it comes to your physiology, like your body and, and your nutrition and how you feel. And nothing feels better to setting a goal, whether it's a week long or whatever, and it's an extreme goal, and then actually following through with it when many times throughout you wanted to quit and you wanted to stop and you had to question why you were doing it. But then you got to the end and you're like, wow, I really did it. That is such a great feeling. It's a really great feeling yeah. to feel that reward. Yeah. And going into dark places with yourself and having that self-conversation like, oh my gosh, I just want to give up. How do I not give up? And here we are giving you ideas, but actually following through with it. That is probably why you pull back to that memory all the time because you went to that dark place and then made it through <laughs> yeah and completed your goal yeah last question and that that was a great segue to it um can you tell me about a memorable success story that you have had as a trainer with somebody that you've worked with so right away you mentioned him earlier my client steve I, uh, he's 58 now and we've been training together for six years. And before I met Steve, he started exercising for the first time in his life when he was like 42 or something because he had a really bad back problem. He was an architect, so he was always bent over, drawing, and he was just popping Epperson pills like they were candy. And the doctor's like, we have to do spinal surgery. And he's like, well, okay, let me try exercise. Then he got a trainer and he was the trainer for a long time and he lost a bunch of weight and but she uh, did mostly machine work with him, kind of like bodybuilding style, but on the machines. She moved away. So then uh, I got him. So he felt pretty happy with how he was He's like, yeah, I'm at my plateau. I'm basically just trying to like maintain what I have now. I'm like, OK, cool. 
And uh, I'm like, okay, let's see your squat, just a bodyweight squat. <clears throat> he didn't even know what that was. I had to show him one. And uh, when he did it, he had no range of motion. His uh, <laughs> positioning was insane. His joints were going all crazy ways. And honestly, his coordination was really not not really existent. So from there on, I just started doing functional movements with him only. Only free weights. We're doing box jumps. Now, six uh, years later, he's doing handstand push-ups. He's climbing a rope. He just competed in the CrossFit Open in his own master's division. And he's just every year is like so happy. Also, he was on two types of blood, um, blood pressure medication. And we got him off of one, which is a di- uh, the diuretic – or not the diuretic, the one that's actually known to cause cancer. We got him off that one. So we've reduced his blood pressure. And I think – and he gets better every year. And he's so much more coordinated. So when I want to teach him something new, I know he can learn it right away. But before, if I wanted to teach him something new, I knew this was going to be a three- to six-week process of learning something new because his neurological firing with his body was just not there. But now it's there. So, uh, but why is he so good, you know, even though his age is kind of against him, is that he's extremely consistent. He's a type A personality, so he likes his three days a week. He runs now on the weekends. When we met, he's never run before in his life. So I taught him how to run. Now he runs like four miles once a week, and um, he never misses a day. And when he does, you know, he goes out, he loves baseball games, and Maybe he gains like four pounds. We always take it right back off because he never gives up. A lot of people in their fitness journey, they'll like work really hard for three months and they'll hit their goal and then they'll just stop for like six months to a year. And then they'll do it again, three more months to get back to where they are and then they'll stop. And just this whole, so they're always kind of in the same place. They never really get better and better. But Steve is a really good example of when you actually find something you like it's really consistent. You keep going. And he loves having a trainer because um, he does need that one-on-one attention, especially in the beginning. He needed it because his coordination wasn't there. But he has he has someone there to that's keeping him accountable. He has an appointment. You know, if something needs to change, he can move it around. We can see each other at weird times, you know. So it really works great for him. Um, but it's been really a lot of pleasure working with someone who is so consistent and works and gives it gives it his all. In that hour that I see him, he really gives it his all. And so we can really track his progress and he improves every time. So it's awesome. So rewarding for me as well. Yeah. yeah and I, I remember just recently he was doing the final workout, I think of the CrossFit Open and I was there and I saw you coaching him and pushing him through it. Yeah. And uh, I high-fived him at the end and he was very proud that he completed it yeah last year during the crossfit open the double unders were required and he didn't have them yet so we're like okay we're gonna go scaled and then he's like worked on double unders all year got him good enough so he could do it in a workout and it was his first open workout with double unders and you know he made it through it's like so rewarding so fun to work towards something and your performance like a movement versus like he doesn't even like really care about how he looks all of a sudden i'm like steve your shoulders look so much bigger and defined right now he's like you know i've been getting that a lot lately like we haven't been doing shoulders specifically we're just doing our normal thing but it's cool how it just happens in that way because you're just focusing on your performance the body comes with it yeah yeah that's one thing you and i share is uh we have to give uh, compliments and positive reinforcement <laughs> yes. to our clients yes <laughs> yeah all the time they want to be like am i doing a good job like yes you come here, you give it all. You always, yes, you look great all the time. 
any final parting words of advice that you want to dispense? Yeah, I mean, uh, having a wedding is such a great time. Like when we start to make this new change in your life, to learn how to eat a little bit better, learn how to exercise and lose the weight you've always wanted. But I really would encourage you to make an effort to find something that really works for you, that you enjoy. You know, maybe you try out a different types of classes or you have a trainer or something close by or you get a buddy to do it with you. So then when it's over, you actually maintain it. Even you come back after your honeymoon and you like can't wait to go back to and see your friends at the gym and tell them all about your trip. You'll find this some kind of something that you will enjoy. And a community is one thing that's going to keep you coming back. So if you can find a place that where you can your friends do it too or you make friends at it, you're most likely to return. I've just seen so many couples lose all the weight and they put in so much effort and then I never see them again after the wedding, like never. And I'll see them like two years and they just look exactly like they have how they were when they started and like that's such a bummer you worked so hard you know find something you enjoy and incorporate that in your life forever and uh, then you will won't be saggy when you're 70 as well <laughs> right that's always good yeah well that's awesome that's a great place to end it thank you for taking the time yes thanks for having me out all right thanks for joining us on the sasha photography podcast a couple of quick announcements. First of all, the podcast is, of course, available on iTunes or however you get your podcasts. And please do subscribe and give us a rating if you like what you hear. Also, on my website at sashaphoto.com podcast, you'll be able to see a few photographs of Alexis in action. And you will also be able to see some pictures of my wife and me at our wedding reception during our handstand competition that Alexis and I talked about. And you also may want to check out the master cleanse videos that we talked about. Uh, those were the ones that uh, my wife and I created when we were doing the cayenne pepper and lemon master cleanse about seven years ago. You can find the links to those at sashaphoto.com podcast as well. Those are on Vimeo. And finally, of course, you should check out CrossFit Potrero Hill, and you can find them at crossfitph.com. That is the gym that... Uh, I call home and that is where Alexis is the head coach it is an awesome place to work out and if you live in San Francisco or if you're dropping in uh, you should definitely drop by and get a workout in because it's a great spot so thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week